Well, hello everyone and good morning and welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here this morning. My name is Melvin Gaines. While we allow others to join us and get started with and bring in some coffee or whatever they want to get settled in, of course a Bible as well, uh, we're going to play uh, Oh Happy Day. Oh Happy Day and it is going to be performed by uh, Marlon William Williford and... Angelique Steris, they're two of the singers involved here. This was originally written, of course, by Edwin Hawkins. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. We appreciate you being here. Anitra, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you. Thank you. Brother Roscoe, good morning. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we appreciate you being here. Thank you. It's another great day in the Lord because we're here. actually eventually getting up to 60 degrees today. I cannot believe it. That's just amazing. It's in the 40s now, so we have a dose of reality right now. But When it's colder, people want to sleep in a little bit more. Hey, Ronnie, good morning. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining us. lovely bride who's online administrating. Couldn't do it without her. Appreciate it. It's another great day. Sunday morning. First Sunday, Communion Sunday, church. Amen. Sister Pearl, Brother Walter, good morning. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Mr. Gaines and Delia, good morning. Thanks for joining us. I was kind of looking for you out the corner of my eye. <laughs> Just, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you. 
Got my notes. Ready to rock and roll here. Hey, Jackie, good morning. Thanks for being here. Angie, good morning. Beverly, good morning. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Jackie. <laughs> Appreciate you being here. They're almost done here. Let some people get settled in. Good morning, good morning. Dion, good morning. All right, everybody is here hitting double digits. <laughs> good morning, good morning. Okay, that was uh, Oh Happy Day, uh, and uh, we, um, it's out of Gospel Holy Days, I think, is, we'll just leave it there. That's the song that was written by Edwin Hawkins, uh, one of my favorite songs, actually. Um, the Edwin Hawkins version is the best version, I'm just going to say it right now, so uh, no offense to Gospel Holy Days, but this is, uh, that, was a, that was a nice version as well, too. Um, but we appreciate uh, everyone taking the time now to spend time and get into God's Word by going through Sunday school. One thing I have um, just want to mention before we get into announcements, uh, it's really important as we go through Sunday school and go through the studies that we do, um, that there can always be an application in some way, shape, or form to where we are, who we are right now. We tend to we tend to try to say, well, this happened a long time ago. It was something that was happened in history, um, you know, 2,000 years ago. And, okay, that's true, but the Bible is timeless. We serve an eternal God. He is in the internal present, and he is speaking to us today through his word. And you better believe that, because that's what we have to take away from all of this as we go through these studies and we're going to go through a study here that's going to be very interesting to look at and actually uh, challenge you as far as where your faith is and what what you believe in. And I'll explain that as we go through it a little bit later. Um, as far as the announcements are concerned for today, we uh, Pastor Gus is going to be preaching. Uh, he'll be back preaching today. And he will be preaching and it will be available on the, uh, the live feed here online on Facebook. Um, Facebook Live as well, too, and he will be speaking today, and we welcome him back, because I know he's had some well-deserved time off that uh, we were looking at here um, for him. 
please remember your tithe and offering. I've been saying I've been saying it wrong for a long time now. I've been saying tithes, I guess as a plural, and offering. But it's remember your tithe and offering. It's an individual thing. Uh, it's not pluralized. It's single. Um, but please remember that. And if you are mailing your tithe or offering to us here at Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, you would mail it to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. Uh, thanks for giving it that prayerful consideration. It's a, a, a way of worship through giving. And so always keep that in mind. For those of you who are here, of course, if you are not already familiar, you would be giving your tithe or offering in the vestibule. Uh, there's a drop box in the uh, vestibule out in the lobby area. So um, pray about it. Indeed. Amen. And with that in mind, we are now getting ready to get into Sunday school. We, uh, we are going to cover Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 26. We're going to cover a few passages today. This is the continuation of Peter's ministry in the church. Lisa, good morning. Hi. Thank you for joining us today. And we're going to get into what we're going to call essentially Peter's second sermon. Um, he is speaking, uh, he's going to be speaking in Solomon's portico, which is right in the temple area, right there in the temple, right inside the temple area. And we're going to read through the passage, Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 26. But I want you to just uh, as we pray, pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And I'm going to do the exact same thing for myself uh, to make sure that I'm imparting what needs to be said here. Um, I love how Peter is always ready to go when there's an audience available. And that's exactly what's happening here. There's an audience. People were out there at the temple getting ready to pray in the afternoon. This is following immediately uh, after the beggar who was sitting at the beautiful gate was looking for handouts or donations. He was never able to walk since birth. He pretty much relied upon money being given to him to be able to eat and sustain himself. And so now here we are where right after the healing, we're going to pick up at verse 11 and we're going to read through to verse 26. So let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer and we're going to get started. Lord, we are so thankful for your presence this morning. We thank you, Lord, that the Spirit and only the Spirit imparts wisdom and guidance to me and to all those who are within the sound of my voice. We pray, Lord, that you will speak to us as a group and as individual and as individuals as well too, that you indeed will give us what we need to learn from what's being spoken about here in today's lesson. I thank you, Lord, for your presence at all times. And Lord, may we always rely upon you in all things that we do, all the decisions we make, all the time that we spend in your word. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Acts chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 11 through 26, if you're not already there, since I already gave you a clue. Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 26. In this section, and we, we want to make recognize here that uh, there is no accidents. Uh, we, we, we see that there was a crowd that was available here at the temple because it was afternoon prayer. It was time to pray. And that's exactly what was taking place. And we want to recognize that Peter is ready to speak. And we'll see that in verse 12 as we look at this. Let's start reading all the way through 
Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 26, reading from the New Living Translation. Please follow along in your version. Verse 11, they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. That's the man who has just been healed by, by through Peter. Verse 12, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Verse 19, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Verse 23, Then Moses said, Anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. You are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, Though you're, through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you, people of Israel, to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. All right, that's verses 11 through 26 in Acts chapter 3. And this was essentially the beginning of Peter's sermon, second sermon, we'll call it, uh, for the sake of looking at how it's recorded in Scripture. Um, And for what it's worth, we want to see here first and foremost that when Peter is addressing this crowd, he's addressing people of Israel. Who is he addressing? He's addressing the Jews. They're in Jerusalem. We have not, this is well before going out into all the world. We're talking about a localized event here because we know that the Holy Spirit came uh, to Jerusalem, came to the people there, and we're not talking about a long period of time passing by from when Jesus went to the cross and was resurrected. And we'll notice that every time Peter speaks, he talks about the resurrection. The resurrection is very important. We have to always come back to the fact that if we don't talk about a resurrected Christ, then we're no better than any other religion out there if we're not talking about a a Savior who is risen. Every other person who is uh, involved with religion and leaders in religion, they are dead and they're still in their graves, except for Jesus Christ. But let's go back over this and and let's take a look at it a little bit more. Um, 
They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly, tightly to Peter and John. We, uh, Solomon, of course, this is probably where Solomon had his porch at some point. Um, Solomon's name stuck to it, and that's why it's referred to as Solomon's colonnade. Um, and understand that we're talking about where a lot of people have passed through, a lot of people have been, uh, and this temple was, uh, of course, the temple that we remember that Jesus had proclaimed that this temple would eventually be destroyed. Um, it was going to be in ruin. This was a great structure. It was a very magnificent structure. And the reason why it's going to be destroyed eventually, and it's because of the hard-heartedness of those who were there. They, all throughout, if you're doing your, your two-year Bible plan reading and you're reading, maybe perhaps you're in Second Chronicles right now, you're going to be reading about all these kings that have ever... Uh, that God is recognizing as leaders in, in, the, in that time frame, either leaders of Judah or Israel. And in, in virtually almost every other chapter that you go through, you're going to see where kings are not following the Lord. And so the people follow suit. They won't do it either. And Israel, of course, we know has a history of being very, very slow to follow uh, the Lord, let alone follow Christ. Um, we, we are going to see how I'm, I'm going to make this an unofficial statement. This is not anything, I'm not tying it to anything in scripture, but let's just say that this is essentially the last opportunity. This message is coming forth from Peter for these Jews, these Israelites to get it together and follow Jesus. And we know from the word that they fail to do that. They really don't do it. We're still talking about the same Pharisees and Sadducees that were around at the time when Jesus went to the cross. And they did so, of course, like it says in the scripture, in ignorance, but they did so knowing God knowing full well the people that he was dealing with. But let's go back to the top. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. This man was exhilarated. He was so happy. He had never walked before and now he's up and not just walking but jumping around and was dancing. And we'll talk about that a little bit further as we go here. Verse 12, Peter saw this his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this and why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power of godliness? Yeah, Peter is giving credit where credit is due. Peter didn't heal this man. He is making it very clear that the healing came directly from Jesus, came directly from the Lord. He was the one who healed this man. And, and we need to see that and understand that. We also need to recognize that as well, too. The healing that takes place, it's the spirit that's working through people doing so. These apostles, they were given the ability temporarily to heal people as if Jesus were present. And remember, Jesus did the same thing through the Holy Spirit himself. So we're talking about abilities given to them because these are the signs and these are the ways that they're going to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through looking at the works, the witnesses of what's taking place. And anybody who's in, present, in the presence of this healing taking place here, they recognize this man, we know who this guy is, who was healed. He's been a beggar forever, for all of his adult life, a beggar. And now he's able to walk 
Now he's able to move. Now he's able to get up and do things. And we don't understand God's timing, but we do know how God will use these opportunities of healing to reach others at the appropriate time when it needs to be seen. And this is no exception to that. Let's go to verse 13. For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. Now, I've got to admit, when you're writing a sermon or putting together a message, that's usually not the first thing you're going to think about saying. You guys are the ones who put Jesus to death. Now, is he telling the truth? Absolutely. But he's trying to make a point. He is making a point. Remember, you have to know your audience. You have to know who you're speaking to. We're talking about people who were supposed to be well-versed in the law, a lot of them, well-versed in the Old Testament. There, there is no existence of a New Testament here that has not been written yet. This is all still going off of the old law, the law that had been present forever. And at the end of the day, he's speaking to those individuals in the crowd. And there are some in the crowd that were around the time when Jesus was crucified. And there are some in the crowd who may have been, had a hand in it. So what Peter is doing is he's taking advantage of the audience. He's telling everyone who Jesus is. He is letting them know that the Jews, his audience, remember, we're not talking about Gentiles, we're not there yet, the Jews had rejected him. Why it was so terrible that they had rejected him. And he is going to speak to them one more time about how they need to turn away from their sin and recognize who Jesus is. Because he's going to give them some information that's going to be helpful for them to understand why they need to repent. The previous sermon did the same thing. Repent, turn from your sins. And every message, honestly, should be leading to a person having a sense of remorse about the life they've been living and recognizing the need to turn away from their sin. Now, if you're hard-hearted, you're not going to do that. And a lot of the Jews here that are in this audience are not going to turn. They're going to stay where they're at. What's happening today with Israel? Israel has largely rejected Jesus. The, the Israel that we know about today, um, the one from the nation that was formed uh, officially formed in 1948, these same Jews, they practice worshiping God, but it's more or less done almost on a, in a rote manner. It's done out of habit. It's habitual. Is there a really deep relationship with the Lord? But now we need to have the focus on who? Who is the one who takes care of all of our sins? Jesus Christ. How do we have fellowship with the Lord? It's through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me and nobody else. That's John 14, 6. We, we recognize that Jesus is the focus. And that's what 
Peter is trying to tell his audience, albeit probably rather brusquely, but he's saying it truthfully. And the audience can relate to this, for it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is verse 13 again, Acts chapter 3. The God of all our ancestors who has brought glory to his servant by doing this. God is the one who healed this beggar. The same Jesus who you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. That's almost like an extra rub in there too. Pontius Pilate did want to release Jesus. We read that over and over again. That was something that was mentioned in Scripture. He wanted, of course, in Luke 23, uh, we, don't, we don't need to go turn back to that because there's several passages there, but in Luke 23, um, the people shouted and said, no, we don't want him. We, we want Barabbas. We want the guy who is a murderer released. And that's the point that Peter is making here. Verse 14, back to Acts 3. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. He's making the contrast. Jesus was a, a one who has walked the earth without sin. Never committed sin. They would much rather pay attention to and release a murderer It's almost like an in-your-face statement, isn't it? I mean, it really is that kind of a statement. They they went to the extreme opposite of who Jesus was in releasing Barabbas. And look at verse 15. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this fact. And again, why is the resurrection being mentioned? If Jesus had not risen from the dead, it wouldn't have mattered whether or not. It would be, there would be no reason to have a conversation. We, we're not talking about a dead Savior. And they were witnesses of this. Anybody who was hanging around about two months ago, approximately, two, two to three months ago, would have seen Jesus come from the grave. The grave was open. And the word spread like wildfire. It was the soldiers who knew the same thing, but they tried to lie about it. And they tried to, they, they were given money to tell an untruth about what happened, saying it was going to be the, the apostles, the disciples that stole his body and took him away. But everybody knew what they saw. You know what you saw. You saw what you saw. <laughs> You're telling them, what, there's, there's no denying about what happened. They literally meant, Peter literally meant, you killed this man, this righteous man. And again, I'm thinking in my mind, because I'm used to presenting sermons, oh, that's a, that's a great way to start a sermon, basically saying, you killed this man. Was it true? Absolutely. And they needed to recognize the truth. Because it's when you recognize truth, that's when you start to turn from your ways. When you live a lie, what are you really turning from if you're living a lie? And you want to stay in a lie all the time, right? You can, you can say Jesus was nobody. He was just some guy who was pretending to be a prophet. But everybody around there knew that Jesus was the one who was bringing people, brought Lazarus out of the grave, healed numerous people, accomplished many wonderful things during his lifetime on earth. So if you are, you know, the denial is more than just a river in Egypt. Denial, they were in denial. That's what was taking place here. 
And again, we're not talking about something that happened many years ago. Weeks earlier, we're all talking about recent history. We're talking about how fast our year is going by right now. March the, March the 3rd. Already in the last part of the first quarter of 2024, seems like New Year's Eve was, uh, New Year's Day was just a couple of days ago. Well, it wasn't a couple of days ago. We recognize that. It was a few weeks ago. But that's how fast time goes. Well, in this particular statement here, uh, what's taking place here, it was just weeks before when Jesus went to the cross. So we're talking about people who pretty much know everything that took place over that time. And they were going through the, the same rituals of prayer, prayer three times a day, back at the temple, doing what they were normally doing before. And yeah, we're not going to do that. Yeah, my watch is listening to me, everybody. I apologize for that. Sometimes those things happen. It was actually going to talk about what I was saying. Um, but Peter's comment about you killed them, you killed him, the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. That's supposed to be the moment where people in the audience are paying attention and listening. We killed somebody and he's back to life. We need to think about this for a moment. We are witnesses of this fact. Here's something I want you to understand about what we're looking at here too. There are churches all over this country, all over the world right now that talk about Jesus being Lord and Savior. But it's still a choice for everybody who's listening to decide if Jesus is truly their personal Lord and Savior. We have a lot of people who say they know Jesus Christ. Well, do you really know Him? You know of Him. I mean, that's like saying, I, I know of... Uh, I had an encounter one time with the mayor of Cleveland, you know, and I... You know, I don't know him personally, but I had an encounter with him on an airplane somewhere. So I know who he is. But that doesn't mean that you have any kind of a relationship with him. And I don't. I'm talking about Mike White, Mayor of Cleveland. I mean, we, I know of Mike White. And the reason why I know of Mike White is because one time I was on an airplane, I was sitting in his seat. And he said, you're in my seat, sir. And <laughs> I said, oh, you're right. <laughs> so that's my encounter with Mike White, the former mayor of Cleveland. But I don't have a relationship with him. And after that, I don't think he would want to have a relationship with me. So we have a lot of people who say they, they know who Jesus is or know of Jesus, but I don't think that they are yet ready to really make the statement that they have a relationship with him. And this audience that Peter is speaking to, and he, he, the message starts out kind of dark, but it's truthful. So we're going to look at this a little bit more closely, and we want to recognize that I was trying to make the point, you know, there are people who think, well, Jesus is dead. He's not really living. Now, there are people today that still believe that. And the problem we have now, as opposed to back then, back then they have evidence of a tomb being open and, and Jesus not being in that tomb anymore. We don't have that. The only thing we have is faith. Faith 
that the words that we're reading are true. And, you know, there are people who believe that um, we, as Christians, try to compel people to make a decision for Jesus. Listen, we don't compel anybody to make a decision for Jesus Christ. These are, these are all weird ways that Satan has people so confused and discombobulated about what, is, what to believe and what not to believe. Satan wants to take a bazillion people to hell with him. Literally wants to take a bazillion people to hell. Because he knows that's a way to hurt the Lord. Because we do serve an emotional God who does. We are emotional. He is emotional. His emotions are always under control. We're, ours aren't, but that's not the point of this. The point of this is that he desires, it is his will for every single person that he ever created to have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that includes the people who, the people who came before Jesus, they had to have a belief in God and have faith. And they were credited to be righteous because of that faith. But today, he wants to see everybody get saved. And so, what Peter is doing now, he is making this compelling argument to them. Look at verse 16, because this is important for us to see. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Peter is telling them who healed this man. And it was in faith of Jesus and the name of Jesus that this man was healed. Not Peter's authority, Jesus' authority. Not Peter's ability, Jesus' ability. And the apostles didn't emphasize what they could do, but what God could do through them. And that was the ability that they had. And so, when we pray in Jesus' name, we must remember that it is Christ himself, not merely the sound of his name, who gives our prayers their power. It's Jesus. When we say we pray in Jesus' name, we don't say that and take that statement lightly. When we pray in Jesus' name, we are praying in the power of Jesus Christ. Who is the one who heals? Jesus Christ. Who is the one that comforts us? Jesus Christ. Who is the one who moves mountains before us? And we don't have any idea what we're doing with Jesus does. I want you to take a look at Luke 17. I want you to look at a passage here that came to mind as I was reading this about who the one is that's doing the healing. And now we're also talking about recognition of who that person is. Because this is going to have application for all of us as well, too. You know, some of us say, well, you know, when we have a cold or well, let's say we have a virus or something like that. The flu has been going around and we're sitting around, we're in bed, we're drinking our liquids, we're eating and all that. And, you know, we, in a few days we get better. I mean, do we make the assumption that we're getting better because it's just we're doing what we normally should do? Or, do we, or is Jesus the one healing us? Well, you better believe it's Jesus the one who's healing you. 
Because there have been people who have died from the flu. We've got to recognize that, everybody. You're blessed. You're being healed because the power of Jesus is involved here. But I want you to look at Luke, Luke, what did I say, Luke 11? It's Luke 17. Sorry about that. I can't read my own writing. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. I'm going to read through the passage. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. My administrator is going to get me later for that, I'm pretty sure. Because I gave the wrong chapter. Uh, Luke 17, verse 11 to 19. I want you to look at these ten men. We actually talked about this two weeks ago. About What about the ten lepers? Verse 11. This is from the Christian Standard Bible Version. While traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying... Now, these are all of them talking at the same time. Jesus... Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. Verse 15, But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Now, that's a punch in the gut for... The Jews who were paying attention here in this passage. Verse 17, Then Jesus said, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Now, other passages I think say healed you. But you have to understand something. He was healed not just of the physical nature. He was healed from the sins that he had committed. There was a complete healing that had taken place that Jesus is recognizing for us here. Now, it implies that the other nine people were Jews, were Israelites. But this Samaritan is the one who comes and acknowledges the goodness of God. So it's kind of a, a bit of an in-your-face statement that Jesus is making. You Jews, you Israelites, you're the ones that have the first access to who Jesus is, and you're blowing it! Because you're rejecting the one who came for you. For you to be saved. This Samaritan, who was healed, recognizes who Jesus is. By faith, you've been healed. Now, the other, the other people were there were healed of their physical nature. But were they healed of their sins? It's speculation. But I think Jesus is making the point here and implying that you got where are the other nine? Where are they? Where are they giving recognition to what happened to them? Where are the Israelites? Where are the Jews? Where are they right now? Why aren't they giving attention where attention is due? And we have to understand that 
people say the word, the name of Jesus all the time, but it doesn't mean everybody has the same approach as to who Jesus is in their life. Jesus can do this for me, but he can't do anything else for me. Jesus can do such and such for me, but, you know, I really have other stuff I'm doing here. We need to make sure that we're looking at how we as believers in Jesus Christ, when we look at the example of the Jews, we've got to work out our own salvation and make sure that we're paying attention to who Jesus truly is. Back to verse, Acts chapter 3, verse 16. It's already been established in Peter's sermon that they were witnesses to what happened. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you know how crippled he was before. That's right. We know the before and the after for this man. Before, couldn't do anything. After, he's jumping around like a little kid all over again. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Verse 17, Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. Now this is where it kind of softens the blow a little bit. Yes, it was done in ignorance. They didn't know what they were doing. Well, they knew what they were doing. Let's put it this way. The ignorance comes down to the fact that they didn't like Jesus as their competition. They didn't want Jesus to be the competition, the one who was going to take away the attention from the leaders of that church, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They didn't want Jesus to be there. They hated Him for that. And you know, God knew that they were going to be the ones who were hating on Jesus like that. Verse 18, and that's where Peter's making the point here. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that He must suffer these things. He's telling them this because they know what the prophecy is. They have read this stuff. They've seen it. And you know how you read Scripture sometimes? You see it, but you don't see it. Or you see it, but you don't want to see it because sometimes it's convicting. You know, there are folks, there are folks that we've, Lynn and I have, have talked about who don't want to read the book of Revelation. Because they don't want to read about all the bad things that are going to happen. Well, grow up. First of all, they're not going to happen to you in your lifetime, but you may have a problem if you don't know Jesus. Just because you don't read something, do you think that's going to give you a pass that you're going to escape from condemnation? Jesus says right in the words in John 3, 16, 17 and 18, if you don't believe, you're already condemned. He says that right in the midst of saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But he says, if you don't believe in me, you're already condemned. You're already in condemnation. So what are you avoiding, really? You're already condemned. Verse 18 again, But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that He must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. The Jews were expecting a great ruler, a great leader. They didn't expect a suffering servant. Jesus said He came to serve. They weren't expecting that. And that's pretty much all of them. They were all expecting some great 
majestic. You know, when he was when he was walking majestically into the the town on the on the back of a colt, and coats were being thrown at him, and palms were being spread across the roadway. They're thinking, here comes this great king. But this was something that had to be done because it was a matter of prophecy. A lot of prophecy was being fulfilled, of course, at Jesus' time. But he wasn't a majestic king. He didn't come to earth the first time to be king in that manner. He came to be a servant. And he came for the purpose of our salvation. So now here's where Peter is saying these people must repent of their sins. John the Baptist tried to repair the way for Jesus by saying you need to repent from your sins. People of our church today, you need to repent from your sins. And we need to repent from our sins on an ongoing basis because that's how we have the best relationship with Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus is severely strained if we're in sin and we don't acknowledge it and we don't recognize it and we don't turn away from it. And everybody here with the indwelling Holy Spirit knows when they're not doing what's right. Because sometimes, you know, just like Paul said, I don't do what's right and I know what's right, but I do the what's wrong anyway. Because we need to make sure that we're always recognizing that Jesus is here to restore us in our relationship with Him when we just repent from our sins. And Peter is telling the people there, telling the Jews, in the same way John the Baptist told the Jews, repent from your sins. Turn to God. So that your sins may be wiped away. Remember the leper? Faith healed him and recognizing, acknowledging who Jesus is had his sins wiped away. And that's what we have to see here. When we turn from our sin, Jesus welcomes us back. You know, no one wants to go through pain or difficulty. And sometimes we are grieved by the sins we commit. Prayerfully, they're not that bad. Amen? I mean, we, sin is sin. Let's, let's be clear about that. But sometimes some of us have a long road back from committing sin, depending upon what we've been doing. But that road is still there for a person who turns from that sin, repents, and chooses the Lord. Verse 20. Then times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. Don't want to go too quickly over this passage because Peter is saying if the, if the Israelites, if the Jews just believe in Jesus, that Jesus would come back. He'd be right there with them. I'm not going to tell you because the commentary that I read says I don't, we don't have any idea what that really means other than the fact that we believe it literally by being said that. But God knew the Israelites were going to reject Jesus. So that's why he's in the, at the right hand of the Father right now. He's not coming back right now. 
He will be coming back eventually to be a judge. Amen? He's going to come back and be a judge. So we have to take that for what it means. The Israelites, the Jews in this audience are going to reject Jesus. Verse 22, Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. He is going over the list of people giving the prophecy. Then Moses said, Anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. He's referring to that point right in time. You are the children of those prophets. And you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. Who is he mentioning? Moses, mentioning Samuel, mentioning, um, well, yeah, he's mentioning Abraham. When God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you people of Israel, to you people of Israel, to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. And what did they do? Nah. Now, let me give a cautionary statement here. There are people who jumped in and did believe. Just as they did before at his first sermon. And they essentially are the equivalent of today's Messianic Jews. They believe in Jesus as the, as the Savior, as the Messiah. They haven't rejected the old law completely, but Jesus said he was the fulfillment of the law. But there were many back then, many who decided not to believe in Jesus. So we'll continue in this study next week and see what the response is. But Samuel was the one who was the first in a succession of prophets that we read about in Scripture. Amen? He's the one that Started it all off. And what was Samuel's first task? <laughs> um, basically to, to give someone bad news. And sometimes that's what you have to do. We recognize that Samuel came through and he was the one who was anointing David's royal line. These people knew who David was. They know the lineage. At the end of the day, the nation, the Israelites, kind of got set in their ways. They did not really want to acknowledge Jesus. They barely acknowledged God. Remember, these are the Pharisees and the Sadducees are the ones who were controlling basically what the people were doing. They had even superseded God in all that. They were the supposedly the ones that were proclaiming the goodness of God. And that wasn't happening. May we not fall in the same path that the Israelites did at that time. May we always be on the mission to spread the truth about who Jesus Christ is. The Jews rejected their Messiah. The Jews did not want to follow Jesus. Not much different from what we see today.
We have people who call themselves Christian, but their but their Christianity is nothing but is nothing to do with Christianity. Just because someone calls themselves a Christian doesn't mean that they are living as a Christian. Take these words to heart. This is early in the church time, and we know that Satan is very busy to cause disruption in the early church. Hey, guess what? He still causes disruption in the church. Hasn't changed. Satan knows exactly what he's doing. And so we need to understand that when God tells us that we need to, Jesus tells us to put on the full armor of God, he means it. It's necessary. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time that you've given us to go over this passage in Acts chapter 3 and just really just kind of chew on it a little bit and recognize how you are speaking through Peter. Uh, Peter is speaking through you about the truth that the people needed to hear. And yet many of them were still rejected. And Lord, as we apply that to where we are today in this world, there are many people that hear the truth about you and they still reject you. There are people in churches today who don't have a relationship with you. I pray that you speak to those people. I pray that you continue to pursue them. I pray that the Spirit is active and moving. That more and more people will recognize your truth. And Lord, we know it's not just a generational thing. It's a people thing. People need to come to a saving knowledge of you, regardless of how young or old they are. We thank you, Lord, for those who you continue to pursue and that they actually do acknowledge you. We thank you for who you are. We recognize you for who you are. We want to give you all the praise for the instruction and the teaching through the power of the Spirit. And we give you thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Elias Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you joining us today. Stay tuned online uh, within about another uh, half hour or so, and we will be on live with our message and sermon, uh, message and sermon here today, the worship service message. And we appreciate you being here. God bless you, and take care of yourselves, and we will see you next time.